Captain Burgess, how did you become involved in the survey flight to New Zealand in 1937? Well, it was really by chance. I wasn't selected. Uh, Major Brackley, who was our flight superintendent, um, I, phoned, uh, I heard that the flight was on and I phoned him up and he said, No, Burgess, uh, we're, uh, we've got the crew. And I said, Well, uh, couldn't I come up and see you, sir? Because I had heard from the first officer that uh, the, the uh, captain who was one of our senior captains, Taffy Powell, uh, wasn't so keen on going through fam for family reasons. And um, so uh, I asked Brackley if I could come up and see him. I was down in Southampton. He was up in London, of course, at Victoria. Uh, um, Victoria there in our uh, Imperial Airways headquarters. And um, so he said, no, don't, uh, it's not worthwhile coming up, Burgess. So I was going out about two days later. So the next day up I went to Victoria into Brackley's office, and he said, what have you come for, Burgess? And I said, well, sir, it's just that I thought you might, uh, you know, have a second um, bow to uh, string to your bow. And um, he said, no, we've got it all fixed, Burgess. And I said, well, he said, when are you going out? And I said, tomorrow, sir. He said, well, look, Burgess, um, thank you very much for coming, but uh, it really wasn't worth it. And I said, well, if you do want me, sir, a cable will bring me back. And I'd only got down, I think, as far as Karachi when I received that cable. And back I went for the survey flight to New Zealand. What sort of preparation did you make for the flight itself? Well, uh, the boat was the main thing. We had to uh, uh, put extra fuel tanks in. And in putting the fuel tanks in, unfortunately, uh, they didn't give enough thought to the, to the system of uh, ventilating the aircraft. We put the fuel tanks where all the ventilator pipes came through. So we chopped off the pipes and put in extra tanks. And then, of course, there were certain um, test flights to do, but it was cold in England, and nobody thought that it mattered much on cutting out the, this uh, ventilation, but this proved to be drastic and, uh, uh, a little later down the route when we got down to the Dutch East Indies. How did you manage as far as um, charts were concerned for navigation? Well, as far as Singapore, of course, we uh, Imperial Airways had, uh, uh, had the normal route there. From there on... Uh, we used Admiralty charts, uh, maps that we, uh, I, I think probably Qantas helped us a lot on this. Uh, but um, uh, Mr. Shell, who the Shell Oil Company, had done all the ground preparations for us, put down moorings, arranged our uh, refueling with, uh, from 40-gallon drums or, in some cases, 4-gallon uh, tins, all, fuel, all through a chamois leather so that we w wouldn't have any contaminated fuel. And how did the flight itself go? Well, it, luckily, it uh, it started off. Uh, we had to take as far as uh, Karachi. We had to take a full load of passengers. Uh, that was one of the things they gave us. And uh, we're going over uh, over um, um, the Apennines. Uh, we ran into a bit of trouble. We were forced up to about. I wouldn't go into the cloud because uh, we had a little trouble with uh, carburetor icing in those days. And I think I went up to 22,000 without oxygen. And I went down to spend a penny and I blacked out myself. But I had all the passengers sitting down. They didn't know what height they were, so they were all right. And further down the route, once you got into the warmer climates? Well, we got down as far as Karachi. And um, the first thing that happened, they dropped one of our cows in the water. But uh, we got a diver and fished that up. So we kept on time and away we went. And um, things went very well indeed as far as Singapore, of course, it was on the routes. 
Then south of Singapore, we went to, we had a good look round all the little islands uh, on the way to, to uh, Batavia. We stayed at the Hotel de Zahn, so we're very well looked after. And then we, sp we took all the senior Dutch officials up on a flight, which we did in every place we went to. We took all the senior officials. But uh, it was very hot. We had to open the steward's pantry window and open some of the hatches to get some air in because people were passing out for heat. Now, south of Singapore, was this the first time that a flying boat of this class had been seen? Yes, it was, and it caused quite a, a lot of interest because it was um, uh, such a huge um, flying boat in those days, the Centaurus. Uh, it only held about uh, 17 people, I think, but it was. It had a promenade deck you could look out, and it had a steward's pantry, and uh, uh, really, it was very comfortable indeed. What sort of reception did you get in Australia and New Zealand? Oh, of course, they went They went wild as soon as we arrived in... Uh, not so much in Australia. We arrived, uh, came down uh, from Copang to uh, Darwin. At Darwin, we were well looked after by the administrator. We stayed at the administrator's house. Really, people uh, put out the red carpet for us wherever we went and treated us very well. Then we went uh, uh, via... Uh, uh, Kurumba, uh, first um, Groot Island, I think we called that, and then Kurumba, and down via uh, Townsville and uh, Brisbane, and down to Sydney. As we got further south, so it, the, so the reception warmed up, and uh, the, uh, Brisbane there were, there were crowds there uh, to meet us, and we were uh, anchored right up the Brisbane River there, at, uh, a little um, just below the bridge. And uh, when we got to Sydney, of course. Uh, uh, the boat was uh, moored in uh, Farm Cove. Um, uh, Mr. A. Rudder, who was the, uh, really running things, he was the British representative for British, uh, the Imperial Airways representative, and he was on the board of Qantas, wanted to put us right in Circular Quay, but I was a little worried with all the ferries steaming by, so because he wanted to put searchlights, but we had so many people walking over the, the flying boat at... Uh, Farm Cove, which was a nice little spot to anchor it, and uh, the boat was on show all the time. We did uh, certain guest flights, and uh, we were really worn out by the time we got to Sydney, but we had a long way to go from there. Well, all right, you went on across to Auckland. Uh, how did the crossing of the Tasman go? Well, I was a bit worried, a little worried, you know, crossing the Tasman. It was, uh, it was uh, always looked on as a pretty... Pretty old, vicious old sea, the Tasman in those days. And I got so much advice from, from all the Nautics. They said, now you might miss New Zealand steam for Mount Egmont because that sticks up high and uh, you won't miss New Zealand. But I, I was a bit worried about Mount Egmont because it's always in cloud and they always say that a pilot should avoid a cloud with a hard centre because you could uh, really come to grief. So we aimed for Auckland and they had a... A radio station at Auckland uh, with fairly good power and one at Wellington but uh, unfortunately we started um, homing on Wellington but we soon picked uh, where we were wrong and then we steamed for Auckland and there must have been I should say 30,000 people there to meet us and uh, Captain Musica had already arrived uh, uh, from uh, San Francisco with um, the Pan American Clipper on its uh, first flight to Auckland so uh, 
this was one of the reasons Imperial Airways wanted to get, uh, get us uh, down there in a hurry, really, because the Americans were coming down the Pacific. And we did meet in Auckland. So we had a dual reception. But it was a wonderful reception. Can you remember where you uh, landed um, uh, in, in Auckland? Yes, we landed on the Whiter Matter, and it couldn't have been a nicer day. The Whiter Matter was sparkling, as it, uh, like the Whiter Matter beer, with Rangitoto Island in the background. And then we taxied into Mechanics Bay, where the Pan American Clipper was already moored. And there were people who lined up on the bank up there. And there was uh, quite a, 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 a consternation at the time, because somebody had... Uh, lit a fire among all the, the, the logs and there was a big fire there as well. So we, we did have a, a really good reception. I believe you were completely overwhelmed by the number of official engagements and broadcasts and so forth. Yes, I was entirely unprepared for what uh, uh, was to come because uh, uh, the only uh, meal that I didn't have to make a speech at was breakfast. Lunch I had to make a speech dinner I had to make a speech and usually after that I had to give another speech and uh, I ran out I didn't have a speech writer like um, our politicians of today and uh, I added it up towards the end and I, I used to say to the first officer well only 20 more speeches and it worked out and of course we got down to the last one and I was really very pleased because I ran out of steam. Were you called upon to broadcast whilst you were in New Zealand and Australia? Yes, I was, and uh, it was very lucrative too, because uh, I used to get so much for 15 minutes. In fact, being a bit of a, a blowhard, I uh, used to say to them, well, uh, you know, I could go on for another 15 minutes if you double the pay, but they, they weren't interested. <laughs> How did you find the broadcasting in those days? Uh, was it a very formal affair? No, no, it was very friendly. Otherwise, if it had been formal, I'd have been frightened off. But uh, I must say, even in those days, the, the radio... Uh, chaps used to egg you on and uh, give you a cue and help you along a lot. And then when I got back to England, of course, I was uh, on television at um, the Crystal Palace, which was one of the earliest ones. I think Sir Henry Wood was on the same night as I was on. In good company. Uh, uh, when, when you returned to uh, England at the end of this survey flight, what do you think had been achieved by the flight itself? Well, I, I think the flight itself had shown that a flying boat could go all the way through to New Zealand and carry our mail, which I think we had the penny mail in those days, not the 18 cents that's coming into Australia very shortly. Uh, and that went by air, and it was a very good thing. And uh, we used to hump this mail at Christmas time. We used to throw the passengers off and just take mail. But it did show that the whole route was so easy, provided... Um, everything was uh, set out and uh, the maintenance and the, the pilots were properly trained. But when the C-class boats went south of Singapore on regular services, uh, they didn't go right through to New Zealand, did they? No. Uh, of course, there again, the Tasman was the snag. The boats uh, that we had on the route went uh, uh, fueled up for the Tasman. It was an 8- to 12-hour flight across the tra Tasman. Of course, you needed a lot more fuel and having putting on the payload of fuel, you couldn't carry the passengers. And after this very successful survey flight, uh, when you returned to England, what sort of reception did you get then? Well, unfortunately, the Cadman report had just come out, and our uh, very able and capable um, air superintendent, Major Brackley, and our um, managing director, Woods Humphreys, had just uh, been uh, had just um, gone to pasture. 
And um, our reception, of course, uh, everyone, we were forgotten and we just crept into Southampton. I think the one boat came out with a camera to photograph our arrival, but we weren't very interested. We were tired out and glad to be home.